Hi guys, it's Kathy Heller. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Keep Your Day Job. So I'm super fired up because I got to spend so much time this week, Monday and Tuesday with so many of you at the virtual Arrive Summit. And it really was amazing. I was actually pretty nervous about it. I didn't know how we could pull it off. You know, we were supposed to do this. This was supposed to be an event we were going to do in person in March and we canceled it because of COVID. And then we were going to do it online. And I thought, I don't know if it's going to be the same. You know, I don't know if the energy will be the same or if people are going to miss being in the same room together. But I can tell you truly, it was so inspiring. And it was so inspiring to see people chatting and connecting. And then all of the speakers just really, really delivered. So many incredible things were shared and insights. And I just felt like we really all got a lot out of it. And because it was so fulfilling, literally on the spot, my team and I got together Monday night on the evening before the second day of the summit. And we said, we have to keep this going. This is so cool. We should be doing this all the time. And so we rolled out what's now called the Arrive Membership. So if you guys want to be a part of this ongoing community where we are going to be bringing on guest speakers, where you're going to get to have Q&A with those people, where we're going to be doing one thing every month to move our businesses forward. One month, we might be working on our Instagram. One month, we might be working on growing our podcast. One month, we might be talking about building our LinkedIn presence. One month, we might be just talking about validating our offers or our mindset or charging and how we can price things. We are going to do this. And I am so excited. I already reached out to so many of my cool friends like Jill Stanton and Christy Wright and Gina DeVee. And so many people were already like, I'm in. I'm in. I would love to be in it. I'd love to come hang out with you guys. So the doors are officially open to the Arrive membership. It's a community. We're going to be gathering together. It's going to be such fire. And here's what you can expect. So monthly sessions with a guest expert, and you will be getting a chance to talk to them directly and ask questions. And then every single month, we'll be working on one step, like I said, and we'll give you a printable, like a how-to guide, like a workbook, so that as a community, we can all take that action, which will be so cool to have that accountability and those clear directives and that support. And then once a month, I'll be coming on. My team and I will be there to support you and coach you and answer questions. And then if that wasn't enough, we're also going to be giving you opportunities every single month to be featured on the podcast, to be featured where we'll send out an email with some of our stars from the community to my email list, which is very, very robust. So you'll have all these opportunities for networking, for up-leveling, for exposure, and I'm so excited. So the doors are open and you can enroll through the end of next week. In fact, if you do that by the end of next week, you will actually be able to either enroll one month at a time, like you can do it month to month, or right now through the end of next week, we're going to do something special where if you enroll for six months, you'll get two months free. So if you want to check it out, you can go to kathyheller.com slash arrive community. And I called it arrive because I feel like that's what we all want. You remember when we were kids and we'd be in the back of the car, like, are we there yet? Like, all we want to do is arrive. Like we want to arrive to the next level. We want to arrive home to ourselves. We want to arrive to that place where we feel like we wake up and we're doing our thing in this world. We want to get there already. And I want this to be that place where we come together and we rise up to a whole different matrix, to a different paradigm where we are officially doing what we came here to do. We've all been assigned, right? We're all here because we are here to bring something beautiful and unique to the world and we don't want to sit it out anymore. So if you want to take this podcast to the next place and you want to move the needle forward with your business, join the Arrive community because it's month to month and I think that you will find it so worthwhile. I am so excited. I will be pouring my whole heart and soul into it so you can definitely be sure about that. So go on over to kathyheller.com slash arrive community. And if you have any questions at all, feel free to DM me on Instagram, or you can email us at hello at don't keep your day job. And we'll be happy to support you and answer any questions. Also, because our 300th episode is coming out in two weeks, we're going to give three of you memberships, free memberships to the arrive community. So all you have to do for that is um, leave a review for the podcast and then post about the podcast on your Instagram and tag me and we'll pick uh, three of you and give you free memberships, which I think that you'll put to great use. 
So because all of this has been so exciting, I want to give you a taste of what the Arrive Summit was like. There was such amazing energy in there, and I want to share with you some of what we all experienced so that you also have a taste of what this Arrive membership is going to be like. So first, we're going to hear a piece of my chat with the amazing Amy Tangerine, who is such a wonderful artist and professional scrapbooker. She's also an author and a podcast host of the show Craft a Life You Love. She works with huge brands like American Crafts, and she's one of the most gifted, kind, creative people that I know. I always love talking with Amy and her journey is such an important example of how you can pivot and use your gifts in so many different ways. She's going to tell you a little bit about how she got inspired to start getting paid to share her work and how she started to get all these other amazing opportunities for herself. Take a listen. I read an article in the New York Times Sunday Style section and it talked about this guy who had literally made his living off of Instagram. He was a photographer traveling and he would get these brand deals to do different things on Instagram and post about it. And that was before you had to really hashtag sponsored, hashtag ads. Like this was way early in the influencer game. And I don't like that word at all. So let's just think of something else. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. But I said, oh my gosh, what a dream that would be. I loved Instagram and it would be amazing to be able to get paid a little bit of money for just sharing what I would share anyway. (laughs) And so fast forward to, I wanted to perfect my hand lettering with watercolors. And I started doing this thing called Motivational Monday because on Sundays I would feel a little sad about the weekend ending and then starting the week. And so I wanted to make it a little bit more uplifting and motivate myself to do something and have that energy to start off the week and carry it through. So I was learning to watercolor these quotes and doing the lettering with the different brushes. And as a way to practice, I would just post them on my blog. And then I would show that I wasn't that good, but I was learning and willing to grow from there, right? And I think that's so amazing about what you're doing and showing people is that you can't get to the top floor until you climb the stairs to the first floor and then climb the stairs to the next floor. And so you have to do that work no matter where you are. And I decided that I would show my messy work because- it was, I was learning and processing and it held me accountable. So I started sharing those on Instagram. Well, guess what? After a few months of sharing these quotes, Dunkin' Donuts contacts me and says, Hey, do you want to do something for national donut day? This is probably like 2015. I'm thinking or 2016, somewhere around there. And I was like, sure. And they said, okay, well, how much would you charge us to do something like a quote you know, you can come up with the creative and we'll talk about it. And then we'll post it on our Instagram. And at the time they only had about 300,000 probably. And I was probably at like 20,000 and they posted what I painted. I did donut worry, be happy. So if you actually Google donut worry, be happy and you go to I've images, seen it. images, the first one. And it was just one of those surreal things that you don't realize it at the time. Of course, I didn't charge enough, by the way. That's also a learning and that's okay because I felt like it opened the door to this brand deal that the next year they signed me on for a whole year. So you never know when these opportunities will come and it doesn't even have to wash over you like some big epiphany. It could just be something little that you want to try and you say, hey, you know what? I'm going to start that podcast. I'm going to write the first page of my book, I'm going to write a blog post. I'm going to write a blog post every day for 30 days. I'm going to make a YouTube video for five days in a row. I, you know, whatever that thing is that you can just start to do. Because it builds momentum and little things come from the things that you don't even know where the doors are going to open. That's exactly right. You follow that whisper. Wait, here's the thing about sharing your work. Okay. If you're already doing it and you love it anyway, why wouldn't you want to share it? Okay. And even if you only have a hundred people following you on your Facebook page or a hundred people on Instagram, or you go even into the thousands, it doesn't matter if you have a mail email list, there's so many different ways to market yourself now. And you can do it in a way that you're not even selling to them. You're just showing what you do. Okay. And somewhere along the way, I also 
decided that I was going to apply for some design teams for scrapbooking companies. And what happens there is that basically companies, when they release new products, they send you all their new products and you get paid this minimal fee. I mean, it's not worth it. It's like literally $5 an hour because it's like a demo, right? They're trying to see what you can do. Exactly. You're auditioning. You use their products and you're on their design team. And I was on American crafts design team for two years and my cousin happened to be moving across the country from Chicago to LA. And so I was driving with her and our last stop was going to be Salt Lake city where American crafts is based. And here's another thing, people. Okay. It doesn't hurt to ask. Okay. It never hurts to ask the rejection that you have in your mind is so not going to happen. Okay. The worst something can say is like, no, thank you. Right. But literally I just said, Hey, I'm going to be passing through Salt Lake city. Could I come by the offices? And I want to see the, I'd love to see the office. And maybe if you guys have time for lunch, great. Guess what? They were game. My cousin and I go to Salt Lake city. We're in the office. We see all the products. We meet the, you know, people in the company and I said to the marketing guy who was giving me the tour, I said, if you guys ever wanted to collaborate, I'd be really interested. And they said, oh yeah, we were thinking about asking you. See, you never know what you're going to throw out there and what will happen. And guess what? He even said, hey, it may not be for a while because it takes time. And they, at the time, they only had one other outside designer. So it was like a big step for them right? And they didn't really know how to handle it. Well, fast forward six months later, I get the call in December saying, Hey, do you still want to do a line with us? Come to Utah in January. This will be your only line, only collection. And we'll just see how it goes. And it was literally called Amy Tangerine. I debuted in Chicago in June of 2011. And after the collection did super well, because I just took ideas that I had that I had never seen in scrapbooking. Mm-hmm. I took them from the things that I loved in life and put them into a collection. And now I think I'm on the 19th one. It's amazing. 18th or 19th? I don't know. People are, people are drooling like in the comments. Everyone's like, oh my God, look what she's doing. You're making something from nothing. And the idea, see, it's all about what we believe is possible. So you're one of those people who you're you know, you don't know exactly where the door will open or what color it will be or what kind of handle it will have, but you know, and this is what we talked about yesterday morning. You trust that when you lead from a point of inspiration and you start to take a step, a door will appear and you'll go, Oh, what's behind that. And then you will walk into it. And then from there, two other doors will appear and then you will open them and it just keeps going. And so It sounds like so much of this was piggyback on piggyback of sharing your process. Question is those things on that second level, when you, when you got to that second floor and you did start doing scrapbooking live, that's those parties. Was that an offer you already had in your mind? How did that very first one happen? Yeah. So I was actually thinking that it could happen because I wanted clients to actually do this, this for, right. And we happened to be at a gifting suite and I was next to the photo booth company called LA photo party. And we got to talking and I basically displayed my t-shirt press in a scrapbook. Mm. And so they were flipping through it. And the owner of the company was like, Hey, would you ever consider doing this for parties? And I was like, it'd be amazing for parties, you know, because even back then we used to take Instax photos and do them for like small events and you would just write a little note, whatever, but you would just put it in, you would just slap it into a book and it yeah. wouldn't be this complex scrapbook. And so we started talking and he's like, well, what would it look like if we partnered and you were our, you know, in-house scrapbooker and we did bat mitzvahs and different events together. And I said, that'd be great. And so we worked out this rate that was, it ended up being a lot less than I ended up charging, but just to try it just as a trial run to see. And here's another thing that I believe is that you have to start somewhere. And if somebody's giving you any type of money to do something that you can then use as part of your portfolio, as part of your experience, as part of a learning, because guess what? You might find that, hey, 
I have no interest in doing this anymore after that one time. That could be more valuable than totally. investing all this time in your head, thinking of all these ways it could go wrong. 100%. Just doing it, right? Because the worst that could happen is you could just say, hey, I appreciate that experience, but I know now that I don't want to do it again. I don't want to invest my time. I don't want to invest my own money. And the worst part of it, you got paid some money to do it, right? You got compensated. So that blossom because there was a culmination of events that kind of merged together at the right time. And I love what you said about, you know, going up the stairs and then reaching a door and opening it. Look, I have had so many failures. I don't focus on those though. I use them as learning lessons. Totally. Then tell me, okay, how do I want to proceed from here? And another thing that I just remembered too is something that I started doing a long time ago was not necessarily having this goal in mind financially or at a status level or whatever, right? It was more of the fact that I know how I want to feel. Mm -hmm. I want to feel fulfilled. I want to feel valued. I want to feel extremely happy and overjoyed when I'm able to share any part of my creativity that will bring an ounce of joy to somebody else. Isn't that so cool? Like, I'm so glad you got to hear Amy because I feel like sometimes as creatives and makers, we don't see all the different possibilities of revenue streams. And that conversation just really solidified it. All right. Next, you're going to hear from Hala Taha. So Hala is so awesome. She has really been on fire helping people use LinkedIn to really grow their presence. She is also the host of the Young and Profiting podcast, but in the last 18 months, she has grown her LinkedIn following to over 55,000. On her podcast, she talks with amazing folks like Daniel Pink, Mark Manson, Evan Carmichael, and she was even kind enough to have me on her show. She's really studied and mastered the LinkedIn game, and she has so many tactical strategies to share that have gotten her major results. So here's a little taste of what she talked about. Okay. So let's talk about what everybody wants to know. How do you grow a following? Like what's your advice to target people and to engage a community? Okay. So I would say if I was going to either restart or start my community on LinkedIn, what I would do first is two things. First thing I would do is define my audience. So who am I really trying to target? Is there a specific job title? Is there a specific location? Is there a specific gender? Is there a specific like level of education? These are all things that you can start to target on, on LinkedIn, right? So, and you could basically do a search and just invite people to connect, say, Hey, what's up? I'm new on here. I'd love to connect. I'm looking to, you know, provide value on your feed, right? And so that's one way that you can start to grow a targeted following. A better way, I would even say, is to basically look at your competition. Look at anybody that you're you want to emulate. So for me, that was Gary V. And for me, that was Tony Robbins. And I was like, you know, those guys post the same self-improvement content that I do. So what I did is looked at their post and looked at anybody who commented or liked their post. And I invited them to connect. I said, Hey, I'm Hala. Um, I just started on here. I've got a podcast. I've got great content like Gary V. I noticed you engage on this content. I love to connect looking forward to, you know, provide value on your feed, right? Nine out of 10 people accepted. And immediately I just like, gained this really, you know, active community because the distinction here is that it's not just random people you're inviting to connect that you don't know if they ever log on. You don't know if they a job and never came back. If they're commenting and liking on a recent post, the chances that they're going to come back to LinkedIn is higher, right? And so I purposely want to engage with the people who are engaging on LinkedIn. And so immediately I had an influx of active people on LinkedIn and it just made me kind of become more visible. And uh, the second reason why that's really effective is because once you start DMing people, that triggers the LinkedIn algorithm that these people, you're friends with somebody, you know that person, they want to see your your content. And so that's the algorithm. It basically presents the most relevant thing that you think you'll be interested in. And so if you DM somebody, that's even more reason why they'll see you pop up in their feed. So it's like a double thing that you're getting. Then the third reason why that's effective is because, so for example, the Gary Vee thing, I just 
did that maybe for the first two months I was on LinkedIn. And then every time I commented on Gary Vee's post, if I was I just said something witty or, you know, I'm pretty witty, funny, I would say something and I'd get like 100 likes. Then I'd be the number one comment on a post that got a million views. How many people do you think followed me by themselves after that? A lot, right? And so I would get, every time I got 100 comments, I'd get 1,000 people wanting to follow me. And like, it was like, almost like I posted my own thing, right? And then everybody knew me as like, that I loved Gary Vee and would like purposely like my stuff because they knew that like I was always the top comment. And then it became this little micro community within Gary V's community. So it was really cool. And like, you can definitely emulate that in so many different situations. And basically, you're borrowing their following, you're, you're taking their following from them. But then everybody wins because it's like you're engaging on the, the influencers post, their post is ranking higher because you're engaging. So it's like a win-win situation for all. And it's great for opportunities. Like I had Claude Silver from VaynerMedia on my podcast because of that. And um, I think Gary V is just like one step away. So, you know, it brings a lot of opportunities too. So I think that's the first piece. I think the first piece is really growing an engaged community and getting that following because you want the distribution. It's like having a newspaper. You can put yeah. out the best stories. If you don't distribute it, nobody's going to read them, read right? It, yeah. So so that's exactly, it's like, it's like getting your distribution right first. So that's one component of it. Then the second component of it is content, consistent content. And so really you want to provide value in your post, no matter like what the CTA is, which is call to action if people don't know. So like no matter what you're driving them to. So for instance, like up until like recently, my main call to action was subscribe to my podcast, download my podcast, right? But my posts always provide value, whether they watch the video that's attached to it or image or whether they click on the link. Some people think that they can be like, hey, what's up? I'm Hala. Listen to my podcast. Thank you. You know, nobody cares and nobody's going to find value from that. What I made sure is that somebody would learn something from what I posted and somebody would be intrigued to maybe comment and engage on that post. And even if they never go and download the podcast, I think it probably takes 10 posts for me to finally convince someone to actually subscribe and download the podcast. Or, wow. You know what I mean? It takes a while. But you're still growing that community and that community is valuable because no matter if I have Young and Profiting or if I have the Halataha show next year or if I have a different business next year, I still have my following who trusts me as an expert who somebody generally tries to provide value to them. Yep, that's so smart and so true. Another thing that I noticed that you do really well is when you do that writing, I feel like you know, and I wanna know what, what you're doing to make this happen but you always kind of write something that's like the juiciest part. And then you're like asking everyone a question. It's kind of like you make it feel organic rather than like, I just did a podcast with so-and-so clink. Here's the link. It's never like that. It's like, did yeah. you know that when Kathy was 24, she got dropped from a record label and blah, 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 blah. Have you ever experienced this feeling where you always find like this juicy part and then there's always an engagement question. Yeah. How can we start looking through those lenses? How, what are you looking for in the content that you're pulling out like that? I would say that like, I always try to lead with emotion. I always try to talk in a way where I'm saying your, you, like I never say I, I never even say we, I always say like your and, and like try to bring people onto the story. I always try to provide some actionable insight, you know, something that they can take away and like kind of learn. And then I always try to add an element of virality. So that's the question that I add at the end, usually like something that gets them to engage. So like, for example, if we're doing a post on uh, time management, I'll be like, how do you manage your time? You know, like just because if you don't say something like that, what are people going to respond with? Right. There's right. nothing to respond there unless they just, like, OK, yeah, I have cheerleaders. Some people uh, will just be like, great show. I loved it. You know, but if you really want to get that engagement up, you've got to ask some sort of question and, and you've got to make it a question that doesn't seem like cheap, something that like you really people really would like spend their time talking about. Right. Um, the other way that you can add like virality is to say, like, tag a friend, tag another content creator, tag a podcaster that you like, you know, something to get people to actually respond. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important. And then, yeah. I, like I said, I think it's just like telling people a story, sharing something authentic is always really good when you talk about a struggle and talk about the climb on the struggle. So not only like, here's what happened and this is a result, give some sort of emotion about the climb of the struggle. And that always gets people to engage too. Yeah. You're really good at that. Um, <laughs> Thank you. You are. So what are the things that I think a lot of people look at LinkedIn posts and they're like, these people aren't doing well. All of, all of they're posting every day and nothing's working. So what are the things to avoid? Like what makes a LinkedIn post not work? 
Yeah. I would say the first thing that makes a LinkedIn post not work is big, chunky paragraphs. A lot of people think that like big, like nobody wants to read your textbook. Everybody's mm-hmm. on mobile. So it's got to be like line by line copy. That's what works on LinkedIn. So that's that's number one. Then the other uh, thing is you never want to put an external link in your post. Right. So you always want to put your link in the comments. LinkedIn doesn't want you to go off their platform. They want you to stay in within their platform. And so if you have an external link, like so, for example, when I have a podcast episode, I always put it in my comments. Otherwise, it will reduce the amount of eyeballs that get to see my post. Also, hashtags. You think, oh, if I put 50 hashtags, my post is going to do great. It's actually bad for you. So you only want to do like three or four hashtags at the bottom of your post. So there's just like a lot of little nuances that you'll learn. And I would say that the best thing that you could do is experiment, you know, see what works and see what doesn't. I Time and time again, I see a lot of my friends who post on LinkedIn and they just do the same thing. And it's insanity to do the same thing and expect different results. That's the definition of insanity. So it's like, that's not how you, you win. You've got to experiment. And, you know, sometimes I try things, they don't work. And then I never do it again. And sometimes I like, for example, like I'll test my strategies, like, does a link in my post really like, is that still true that it, that it will do worse? And, and then I, I make sure that that still stands so that I don't make the mistake of like, you know, um, having the link in your post will obviously have more click through, but if nobody sees it, then there's no point. Right. So I always test my strategies and make sure that they're still accurate. So I think experimenting, keeping track of what you're actually doing, looking at what other influencers are doing. Um, those are all ways that you'll make sure that like your content strategy is going in the right direction. And then, of course, you want to stand out. So for me, first of all, I stand out because I'm a a woman and most of people who do content generation, unfortunately, are men. Also, because I do selfie videos, I think selfie videos really stand out on LinkedIn. Some people think that you need to have like a spend $4,000 on a video in order for it to do well. My best posts were five minutes, me just taking a flick like this, and they got 2000 likes. Like, you know what I mean? And just talking into the camera, casual, took no time, took no money, took five minutes. And those were my most viral posts, right? And so it's not about like investing heavily. It's not about, you know, professional editing. It's just about being authentic. Like LinkedIn is all about authenticity. And so it's a really great platform if you're just like creative and willing to kind of put yourself out there. One of the questions that was coming up, which it's a really good question for this particular uh, summit today. A lot of people are saying, and I want to ask you specifically, because Hala has a job, you guys. Hala has a great job. In fact, like for people who have a day job, and are building a side hustle, they're saying, I don't want to be this vocal on LinkedIn. I'm Ah, nervous. Shouldn't I create this? Like, what if, you know, like I need my job and what do you think about that? So I think that nowadays it's the gig economy. Almost every employer knows that their employees are thinking about side hustles, thinking about, you know, getting exposure. I think it makes you more valuable. I think in the beginning, there might be a little bit of friction. I think that people might get a little bit of jealous, but the people who really matter, like the CEO, the CMO, the C-suite, the executives, they're going to appreciate you and they're going to treat you like you're more valuable than the other employees when you have a personal brand, when you're bringing exposure to the company. So now I work at Disney streaming services and I'm more popular on LinkedIn than the CEO. So HR, everybody knows me. I everybody love knows it. that. That's the that is you so know, awesome. and so everybody knows that I'm the face of Disney streaming for LinkedIn, like on LinkedIn, which is crazy. I'm more popular than the company page. So could you imagine how much value like I, I, I bring to the I table can't with that comment? I can yeah. handle that. Boy, does that really sum the whole and thing? And so I have a great job. I handle lifecycle marketing for email and app and push. I try to retain the subscribers, but they're starting to offer me other positions like the influencer brand marketing piece of the, com- of the company. When they start oh podcasts, who are they going to think of? Me, right? Now they want me to speak for Disney. So it's like all these different opportunities that are coming only because... I have this personal brand and I would say you definitely have to have a wholesome brand as long as you're not doing something weird. Like when I first started, they were like, we want to listen to all of your podcasts. We want to make sure that it's good. I don't curse. I have like wholesome things. It's totally positive. So now they're like totally gung ho. Like how is our little face of Disney streaming? No problem. You know what I mean? And so I think that it's a win-win and, and not for nothing. Your employer 
could care less if you got hit by a bus tomorrow. They will hire somebody before you even have your funeral. And so you need to make sure that you take care of yourself. And for me, I get opportunities left and right. I just had HubSpot, you know, they offered me an opportunity, like there's just opportunities left and right, because I'm looked at as an expert on LinkedIn, as an expert on podcasting. And I've built that engagement and expertise and trust. And now I can take that anywhere. And I think that's really important. You shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. And it's so important to like grow that yourself. And so if you're afraid that your employer is going to look down upon you is going to like, I don't know, I just think you need to get over it. I think that anybody who's really successful and like really wants to make moves is building their personal brand. And it's either like you have like a crappy personal brand or a really good one, because either way you have one, people are going to Google you, going to find you. It's either you suck or you look awesome. <laughs> so it's like, which one do you want to be? So again, I wanted you to hear this because it's such good stuff. And this is what the Arrive membership is going to be like month after month. We're going to be bringing in people for a big masterclass discussion, but you'll get a chance at the end to ask your questions. And then we'll take something that we're talking about in that masterclass and we'll put together a how-to guide. And as a community, we will all take action, we'll hold each other accountable, and we will implement what it is that we're learning. So I'm so excited about it. All right. So now you're going to get some more actionable advice. And this time it's about Instagram. This next clip is from my conversation with Steve Miller. He's a master at Instagram growth and teaching tools to entrepreneurs. He's actually helped me personally a lot with my Instagram, and I can't wait to share what he has to say. You're definitely going to want to take some notes. So if you're not driving, get a pen. If you are driving or doing something where you can't write this down, you might want to come back later. Let's take a listen. If we want to start today to make a little bit of a baby step forward, what are a couple of the things that you taught me to do that you do that we should already just begin to do as a daily practice when we're trying to build our community? Awesome. So I have three things planned out that I wanted to talk about, but this is definitely part of it. So the first thing you want to do is make sure you're clear around who you're going to be speaking to. You know, a lot of times what the mistake people make is they go too broad in their audience or the niche or their community, right? Yep. When I started mine, I was a UX designer and did only UX and UI design. Didn't drift out and do all the marketing and all this stuff, but you see a lot of people trying to go so broad because they think, hey, more people, you know, more audience, I'll get more followers. And when you actually dial in and speak to one person um, and niche down, as they say, your content will be a lot more valuable to that specific niche. And you have to remember, there's over a billion people on this platform every month. Um, so there's more than enough people to build a following and build an audience. You All you have to do is find your thousand true fans and your, your people on this platform. And the first step is getting clear on who you're speaking to. And then it's creating content around that. So That's so good. And it is one of those things where we feel the scarcity. So we feel like we need to talk to everyone. And when you talk mm-hmm. to everyone, I often say it's like going to Disneyland and screaming out everyone and no one turns around. But if you screamed Kathy Heller, I would turn, right? So right. like, if you actually Perfect. want to get attention, it's like, call out, you know, it is this illusion. Who is your person? Like, how did you make that decision of who you were talking to? If you had to pick just, just as an example, um, I was talking to myself. So I Oh, it's so good. Pic- Such a good answer. I, I pictured myself and was like, okay, I'm stuck. How do I, mm. you know, start growing this or or what do I do? And then the more I started testing and doing, it, I'm like, well, I'm my own ideal customer. You know, like I said, I'm a startup guy. So if I'm building a product, I want to build something that solves my problem. And it's easy for me to just start talking to me two years ago, three years ago, because I did all those mistakes of, you know, the automation, the bots, the the follow for follow, all that crap. And it didn't get me anywhere except band accounts and accounts that are just dead. So when I looked at it holistically, it's like, okay, if I wanted to grow and I wanted to do it the right way, who's my ideal customer and what, what would I want to learn? I just kept putting that same information of what I wanted to hear two years ago out into the realm. Okay. So what's the next step from there? So after you figure out who you're talking to, you figure out your niche, you get clear on that. There's some other stuff with setting up your profile and your bio and all that good, but it's really about creating content and you want to start, you know, creating and molding that content in these little bite-sized pieces. You don't want to try to cram everything into one piece of content because it's going to overwhelm the user. Their head's going to explode by trying to consume too much. So you want to break it up. And I always say, you know, you want to make it like a children's book and 
you separate for specifically carousels. You want to separate it out over those 10 slides and break it down into value, but less words and try to deliver more with less. Um, and if you're doing this with a single post, maybe it's your long form caption um, is tied to that image, but you're delivering something that is easy to consume and easy to understand. Um, and not only that, it gives you more content throughout the day instead of trying to cram everything into like one post. Yeah. You can split it up over to five, 10 posts. One of the things that you said to me is come up with five pillars or six pillars of topics yes. and keep repeating them, right? Because you mm -hmm. want to be known for what you do. So walk us through that a little bit. How, how did you explain that to me? How do we figure out what those pillars mm -hmm. are? So the pillar content, it, it's again, goes back to your niche. You want to get focused and clear on your audience. So if your audience is, you know, Etsy people, it's, how to build your brand on Etsy. Maybe it's, you know, tips and tricks for shipping a product. It's you want to get, you know, four to five topics that are very tight to your audience and keep repeating those. It, it's honestly a little bit of trial and error too. So you'll start putting out stuff and you'll see what resonates, see what does well, you know, and you'll go back to, you know, your notebook and be like, okay, well that didn't perform really well. And, or maybe you ask them a poll question in your stories and you say, you know, what are you guys looking for? We can talk about this, 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 this. And then you take that data and build your pillars around that. But you want to make sure they're all, all those pillars are sort of connected. Right. Um, in, a, in a sense, you don't want to go, hey, I'm doing marketing and I'm doing design and I'm doing IT. You right. know, stay, stay in marketing, but drill it down a few levels and right. talk about those specific things. Right. And by the way, I just want to say, if it's not completely obvious, the reason I'm starting the summit after, you know, the opening with talking to Steve about Instagram is because no matter what you want to do, if you want to sell coffee mugs or you want to sell a course or you want to sell a yoga class or if it's a service you provide, anything you want to do, you need an audience, right? You need someone to sell it to and you need to nurture that audience before you ever have the offer, right? Before the offer even comes out. In fact, Steve, you and I talked about this where I don't know if it was Gary V. You, you got the um, wisdom from someone you quoted and you told me, so it, it was Gary. Yeah. And you said, Gary said like, just nurture, just get up there and nurture before you, maybe it's, I think you said maybe 18 months. Was that what was the quote? I, I think Gary in one of those fireside chats he had talked about putting your head down for a year. You know, so many people quit after 60, 90 days. And he was like, just focus a year on just you know, treating your audience well and Value. giving, giving, giving. Yep. Yep. And, and don't go for the sale right away because you'll build that no like and trust factor over that year. And then when you finally do sell something, it's going to blow up. Explosion. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, it doesn't have to be that extreme, right? Like he's like this extreme example of that. Meanwhile, yep. he was selling things right away with wine library because he had that right. product. But in terms of selling himself, getting up and being asked to be paid to go on stages, selling his like new, you know, Vayner media, Vayner, this, Vayner, like he definitely waited to push all those things, but immediately, you know, when he was starting his YouTube, he was selling wine and things like that. Cause he did have his father's store and all of this stuff. I don't think it mm -hmm. has to be as extreme, but I think that the value is in that paradigm. Like there's so much value in just getting this idea, like deposit, deposit, deposit. Yep in order to never really have to sell. Like what I want you guys to get is that if you start just taking baby steps towards what Steve is going to continue to talk to us about right now, what you're doing is you are educating your audience. You're showing up for your audience. You're creating a relationship with your audience and it starts to lay a foundation. It starts to yep. create a relationship to where at some point then when you have an ebook or you have this one-on-one -on -one coaching opportunity, or you can be hired to do this service for them. It's a no brainer because you're laying down right? The runway for that. I think what most people don't get about business is they assume you show up, no one knows you and you have to convince people of something and then give them a buy button. It's like, it just yep. doesn't work. So a couple of the things I want you to share. Okay. So you guys get a pen and paper. This is what Steve taught me. One of the things he taught me was, this is so simple. He said, Kath, before you post ever, let's say you're going to post at noon or you're going to post at two o'clock, whatever the time is you've decided you're posting, which by the way, he said should be consistent every day, but whatever it is, he said for 15 minutes before you post, go and chat with people on Instagram, 
Reply to people who maybe commented on your stuff the day before. Go to other people's feeds and comment on their stuff. DM a few people. I go, Steve, what's this about? And you said what? Why is that something we should do every time? 15 minutes before, 30 minutes before. What's that flurry of activity about? Uh, Twofold. You have to give more than you expect to get, first off. Um, But it does something with the algorithm and does something on people's phones. So when somebody leaves a comment on your post and you go and reply to that comment, they're going to get a notification. And most of the times people aren't right attached to their phone. They'll see it 10, 15 minutes later, they'll look at it. So when you've posted your new piece of content and you've gone around and done that pre-work of, you know, going out and connecting with all these other people, they're going to get those notifications and come back to you and say, well, maybe she posted something new. Let me check it out. And then you get more engagement. So it's a little organic hack to just get people, you know, aware that you're on the platform and you're commenting. I love it. It's so good. I started doing it. It's so good. And let's talk about what you shared with me. You were like, if you can commit to do something this way for 30 days, you can kind of revolutionize your feed. Can you Mm -hmm. explain that? Because that felt like, oh, wait, that doesn't have to be three years from now. I can do, what would be the things that you would say to focus on for 30 days? A few of the things to do if I really wanted to see a massive change. So I tell people to commit to creating 30 straight days of content. And it's not so much for the algorithm, it's for what it makes of you, the creator. Um, Because it really forces your brain to get in this habit of creating content. And when you first start out, you're going to have all these mental blocks and writing blocks. Like it's going to take you five hours to write a carousel, right? And over time, like anything, more practice, you're going to get better at it. So if you can commit and show up every single day for 30 days, you're going to make your, you know, your mind better for creating all this content. Um, And then it's just going to keep getting easier. The other thing it's going to do is train, it's going to start to train the algorithm to say, hey, Kathy's showing up every single day. She's contributing. She's providing massive amounts of value. Again, the whole software thing, she's keeping people on this platform longer. We like Kathy. Let's show Kathy to new people. So it's a twofold thing, but it makes you a better creator when you show up every single day. Mm. And I have a feeling, because I hear this all the time, when people hear this, they're like, I could show up every day, but I have 41 followers. Steve, how is that going to change? How are all these people who don't know me going to come along and find me? What are those things that allow for new people to find us? Because I think most people, they, we, I believe as human beings, we're not stupid. We will do things when we believe that there's an outcome at stake, mm-hmm. right? But if we believe fundamentally in a story that's telling us, well, my story tells me I have 41 followers. So why would I go in there? They're not that active. No one knew was going to find me. Why would I then take action, right? I don't believe in an outcome. So help paint the picture of how it does start to gel. If I go live, if I show up, how does it work that all these people will start to slowly come aboard? So I like to reference this quote. I'm a big Alan Watts guy. And he he posed a question to in one of his speeches that how long does a baby learn to walk? Does it give up after 30 days? Does it give up after five? So it's persistent with showing up. And I know it's tough for people to sort of get in there and, well, I have 41 likes. I have 41 people following me. Nobody's following me. I thought the same thing when I was trying to grow my audience and I would get 10 likes, 20 likes. But I guarantee you, if you stick with it long enough, there's going to be this sort of critical mass, this tipping point where you're just going to start growing like crazy and you're going to look at your phone and go, oh my God, I just picked up a hundred followers in a day. I kid you not because there's hundreds and hundreds and thousands of examples out there. All of my peers who are doing this Instagram growth and design are growing at rapid paces and it's not any trick or bot or whatever. They're just showing up and producing content for their ideal follower or client and they're doing it consistently. So that's when people stumble is they go, and they make a post and it gets five likes or it gets 10 likes and they say, hey, I've spent this much time on it. I just don't think it's going to work for me. And it's about you know mentally preparing for those obstacles and just saying, okay, one more. We'll do one more. That's fine. We'll do one more. And just keep knocking down those hurdles as you go. I love it. Last question is that very top of the Instagram feed, which is your IG bio, right? Yep. I have 
probably rewritten mine a thousand times. Like it just over and over and over again. And when I talked to you, you were like, here's three possibilities of ways you can go with it. And I was like, whoa, that's so clarifying. How can we utilize that little space the best that we can? So your profile is your business card, right? It has your picture. That's their first impression. They're going to you know, see that and they're going to want to click through to, to your bio. Once they get to your bio, um, it has to be clear to your niche. So I like to use keywords in my username. Uh, not my username, but my actual name in the bio, right? So it's Stephen Miller, Instagram expert. And then I want to talk about my authority. What gives me the right to talk about this particular subject? Or what have I done to talk about this particular subject? And it could be anything. You don't have to be necessarily an expert with 100,000 followers, but it's it's what you know and love. And that's uh, what you want to share with the world, right? So that is your authority piece. And that should be one of the top two lines. And anything with growing Instagram, you kind of want to send people to a link or to your profile to, to click through. It just builds your profile visits up and helps you grow faster. But it's another way to, one, get your audience off of Instagram and into your own email list. But that's a whole topic for another day. But it allows you to sort of, you know, control where your audience sees you next. And I know you use Linktree or another service like that, but you can have, hey, check out my podcast or check out, you know, my free guide to this. But it's specifically, you know, you want to take that first name, put a keyword in there, make it your name, make it real to you, establish your authority, and then give them some place to go with your link and bio and make it a, a nice call to action, if you will. I think for everybody, like one of the hardest things is talking about themselves, right? Mm-hmm. A, because we don't want to brag or oversell ourselves. And B, because we are so many things, we're like, well, I'm not just this, I'm also this. So So how do we stop all the noise so that we can brag effectively and also choose one thing to say rather than all of the things about ourselves? How can we sort of get over ourselves so that we can talk in a way where it's, there's clarity Well, your niche is your, when I talked earlier about picking your niche, it's your passion, right? Um, So some people's baking, mine's Instagram and marketing. I do a bunch of other things. It doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to put them all in there. But if I'm trying to build an audience around Instagram and marketing, that's specifically what that business card is going to state. You know, I'm an Instagram expert. I grew a following to 100,000. You know, I created this app for Instagram. Everything is focused around Instagram. Um, if you're a baker, it's the same thing. I make delicious this, grab, grab these recipes. You know, I've been baking for 20 years and all that sort of stuff. So it's about sort of forgetting what people are going to judge you for and just putting what your passion is. And if you're passionate about it, you should be able to stand up for it. Such good stuff. You guys, I'm telling you, I want to have him back because he gave us so many things that we can all go and try and do today. And I started doing those things and it made a huge impact. And this is why I want to create a membership where you guys can start to get actionable, clear directives. And then we can make sure that you follow through on it because it's enough. It's enough of saying, I want this. I want this. I want this. We have to do, we have to do more. And because I have access to so many smart people who have already figured out some of this matrix, I want us to come together and once and for all really hear the advice and then do something about it. So if you want to join the arrive community, go to kathyheller.com slash arrive community. It is going to be epic. All right. Lastly, we're going to hear from Patrice Washington. A lot of you may already know her because she was actually on our show before, but in case you don't, Patrice is an incredible motivational speaker and author, and she also hosts the Redefining Wealth podcast, which you should definitely go check out. She was on this podcast a few months ago, and she is straight fire, and I was so grateful that she came to speak at the Arrive Summit because she really brought such powerful wisdom. I love what she said about how we need to show up online and how to get over our fears. It's super powerful stuff. Take a listen. Show up powerfully online. Okay, so I have a couple things here. First thing I want to say about showing up powerfully online is that it is not about you. You showing up powerfully is not about you. And we make it about us. I know when I first started, I thought that social media was a fad. I thought it was for college students. I was already an adult. I was not having it. I was like, Facebook, I'm not posting pictures of my salad. I did not want to be involved. I was reluctant to go to Instagram, reluctant on Twitter. 
And then I had another one of those moments where I had to sit in the fact that showing up and sharing my gift and sharing these divine downloads that I get and sharing these nuggets have never, it's never been about me. What did Ms. Boynton tell me in first grade? When you know something, you have a responsibility to share it with your friends. I learned that at six years old. I'm 39 now. And it is the mantra that I keep coming back to every time I want to clam up, every time I want to make it about me, every time I get in my feelings, every time fear creeps up, because it still does. I don't know who, who here is fearless. I'm not fearless. I've just chosen to push through the fear over and over again because I understand that showing up powerfully online, showing up on stage, showing up on television, showing up on radio, podcasts, wherever, it's not about me. It's for the one person I might bless. And some of you don't show up because you only got one like. Some of you stop showing up consistently because you only got one comment. Some of you stop showing up because you're like, well, this is not really a lot of people. But what if you blessed one? Would they not be worth it? I set out to bless one. I never set out to have hundreds of thousands of followers or this or that. I never set out to be on TV. I didn't set out to do any of those things. I set out to share what I felt like had been downloaded to me because Ms. Boynton said I had a responsibility to share. And I know Ms. Boynton wasn't your first grade teacher, but I'm going to let you borrow her. And I need you to understand that in order for you to evolve and pivot powerfully, then it is imperative that you show up and that you share your gift with the world. And with the world could be the one. An audience of one is still an audience. Because you showing up is how you perfect your voice. You showing up is how you get to really, really like fall in love with who you are and what you stand for, right? Like you showing up is how you could potentially save someone's life. And I don't care who you are and what you talk about and what your offer is. You have to understand that when you don't show up, see, this is how I think about my audience, right? I think about the suffering that women in particular must be going through when they think that wealth and success is based on struggle and strife and stress. And when they don't understand what can be attracted, right, through redefining wealth, through working on their health, working on becoming their best selves, working on their relationships, they don't understand how they can attract so much of what people chase after. So my goal is to make sure that I don't leave them in suffering And here's what I understand, that when I don't show up online, then I am agreeing to leaving someone out there suffering. Would you see people suffering knowing that you have an answer, knowing that you have a perspective, knowing that you have a gift that can change their lives, that can touch their hearts, that can bless them, that can make their journey easier? Would you just leave them out there? But that's what you do when you don't show up. You agreed to leave your people suffering. You agreed to leave them out there wandering. What took you two, three, four, five years to learn, you could teach them in in a post, in a Facebook Live, in an Instagram Live. You can shift someone's entire life and you won't do it because you think it's about you? This is not about us, friends. This is about the people we were called to serve. There is no experience that you've had that was solely about you. So it's your responsibility in this season to show up powerfully. And the thing is, your job, your only job is to keep doing all you can do and stand. If you can do nothing but make a post, then make a post. If you can do nothing but go live on Facebook, go live on Facebook. If you can do nothing but make a post on Instagram, you do it and watch God bless it. Now I'm a God girl and if you're not, Please don't be offended. This is me. This is who I am, right? One of the things that I teach at Redefining Wealth is that you have a responsibility to give God something to bless. We sit here and we pray for businesses to be blessed, but then we don't show up and do our part. Your part is to go live 
or to post or to show up on social media consistently because right now, where else are people going to get you? How else are they going to experience you? I get it if you didn't like social media before, but guess what? It's a new day. It's a new day. And the thing that you must know is that you have the power to curate whatever persona you want to curate, right? I am actually a very private person, but I also do just enough so that people know that I'm real. I have a real family. I'm a mother. I'm a wife. What you're building is authentic to you. It's based on your definition of success. It's based on your definition of wealth, right? It's based on what and who you want to be perceived as, like how you were called to help in the marketplace, right? You may have to get uncomfortable, yes, but show up, but do what feels good for you. Because I think that people can tell when you're being completely disingenuous. I remember when I first started in personal finance and we had like this brand person who was helping us. And it's a long story. I think it's posted somewhere on YouTube. Um, I tell this story, but the guy, you know, suggested that I wear these um, business suits and that I had less jewelry on. He thought my jewelry was too big or distracting and, and more business suits and you know, that I shouldn't wear such high heels. I'm already 5'10", for those of you who've never seen me. And I would still wear four-inch heels. So he's like, well, you know, you're very powerful and commanding and all these things. So I wore kitten heels, you guys. Business suits with shoulder pads, power suits, they called it. All these different things. And I was the least happiest I have ever been. Like, I was not myself. I felt like I was putting on a clown suit and pretending to be some grown-up somewhere. And I went on Facebook one day and literally I woke up and I said, God, if this is what it takes, I don't want it. Because when I wasn't being genuine, it made me question my own gift. I was always gifted to speak. I was always gifted to teach. And doing all of this made me question who I was, what I was doing. Is this what I was really called to? And I got up one morning, went on Facebook and said, if you can meet me at the Starbucks on East West Connector in Austell, Georgia. I would like to give you all of these suits. I gave away the suits, the pumps, unopened packages of stockings, the pearls. I gave it all away. And I said, God, whoever you have called me to serve, they're going to have to receive me as I am. Because if I have to pretend to be someone different, I don't want it. And so I'm sharing that with you because I don't know who's listening and maybe you've been feeling like, well, I need to look like this. I need to do this this way. I need to show up the way she does. I need to do it the way he's been doing it. Lies from the pits of hell. Honor your gift. You don't have to do it like anyone else. You're not called to be anyone else. You are exactly who you need to be. You have the exact story that you have. You have everything that you need. Now it's time to give yourself permission to reimagine success, redefine wealth, and keep showing up powerfully. And when you show up powerfully, you are giving God something to bless. You don't have to force. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to pretend. You don't have to hide. You don't have anything to protect. Keep offering up that gift. Allow people to see the real you. I don't care what you look like. I don't care how you dress. I don't do you. The people you are called to serve will see you. They will love you. They will respect you. They will hear you and they will pay you. All you have to do is keep showing up. I mean, she's amazing, right? She's amazing. And if you haven't heard her episode from a couple months ago, we'll link to it in the show notes because she just has so much wisdom and it's beautiful. All right. So Today is an example of the kinds of things that you can expect, a little taste of what the Arrive membership is going to be like. And the reason I'm hammering this home is because I know that this is going to change lives. And imagine if you had a friend who was struggling in their marriage and you had the number of a marriage therapist who completely changed your life and saved your marriage. Would you not like 
run to make sure that this person had this person's phone number, you wouldn't like feel bad, right? You'd feel like, no, I'm doing them a service by making sure that I tell them, call this person, call this person. So I feel like without a shadow of a doubt, this community alone, this community, the friends that I have, the experts that will be coming in, the way that we will lead you to take this action and the cost of this membership when you combine it, it is so priceless. It is something that I want all of you to really consider doing. So I know it's going to be an amazing thing for you. I can't wait to do it. If you have any questions, let us know. You can sign up month to month. So there's like you can just try it. Um, or you can sign up for six months and get two months for free if you sign up before next Friday. So go ahead, think it over, but we love to see you in there because the world needs you. The world needs you. And so many of you have been listening to the show for so long. And it's like, if this can give you that boost to get those strategies dialed in, to take that action, to get that support, to have me there coaching you, then do it. Let's go. I am so here for it. If you want to sign up, just go to kathyheller.com slash arrive community. I'm pumped. All right. So here are the takeaways from today's concoction of awesome things. Number one, you can't get to the top floor until you climb stairs to the first floor. Number two, don't focus on the failures. Use them as learning lessons that tell you how to proceed. Number three, lead with emotion, put the focus on the you, provide actionable insight and leave them with a way to engage. Number four, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Take care of yourself and create your own opportunities. Number five, be clear about who you're speaking to. When you dial in and speak to one person, your content becomes more valuable to your niche. Number six, create content in bite-sized pieces. Deliver more with less. Number seven, choose to push through the fear because showing up powerfully is not about you. It's for the one person you might bless. And number eight, honor your gift. You're not called to be anyone else. You're exactly who you need to be. All right, now let's celebrate your wins. So Hannah posted in our Facebook group and she said, I had a crazy, amazing first food challenge in my new Facebook group for wannabe confident cooks. Full of fun recipes and techniques. Also fun date night in with the hubby building with gummy bears and toothpicks. Hannah, that sounds like so much fun. And I bet that everyone in the group had such a good time and learned a lot. I love that you were able to take some time for a date night too, because it's really important that we set aside space for that. You guys, if you want to join Hannah's Facebook group, it's called Cookbookless Cooking plus tips for the home chef. All right, here's the next one. Colleen said, I've been getting back into my art, editing, and calligraphy in the past few months, and I was able to purchase an iPad and pencil to take it to the next level today. I don't usually make big purchases, but I'm really excited to see what I can create with a new platform. It gives me hope that at some point I may be able to turn my art into a business and I'm happy to take the first step. Colleen, that's really awesome. I'm really proud of you for taking that step to invest in yourself and supply yourself with the tools to get more serious about your art business and really take it to the next level. I know we'd all love to see what you end up creating. So please, please share that in the Facebook group. Really excited for you and for everything that's in store. Thank you guys so much for listening. I know that there's so much to be doing right now. Um, I'm just right now, this week, today, moving across the country and even before I was moving, like being in the middle of COVID, taking care of my kids and working, there's a lot. So it means a lot that you are listening to this show. And I'm curious, did this episode inspire you? Did you learn something new? Can you think of one person who would benefit from today's episode? If so, then take a second right now and share it with them. Post it on your Instagram. Tell people, tag me, tell people to listen, and I will pick three of you and give you a free membership to the Arrive membership. But also think of somebody who might need this. You could email them the episode or text it to them. Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen so that you can get in on the amazing episodes we have coming. And remember, the doors are open to the Arrive Community membership. It is going to be fierce. You can go to kathyheller.com slash Arrive Community to register. I love you guys so much. I'll leave you with a song of mine. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you Monday.